Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Monday, October 30th. This is On Deck. Stephen Nesbitt here, and I'm joined by Levi Weaver. Levi, I noticed I had a habit of saying every single time I introduced you, I said, Levi Weaver, and I don't know why I did that. Just a verbal verbal tick, I guess. And I'm sure there are listeners out there who are just throwing their phones against the wall every time I do it and going to the comments and saying something. It reminded me, when I was a kid listening to Tigers games, Jim Price, the color commentator on the radio broadcast would, um, I just did it again, radio broadcast would be running through the pregame starting lineups. And whenever he got to the three hitter, he did it the exact same way. I don't know why, but here's how he did it. Batting second, the shortstop, Carlos Guillen. And batting third, Maglio Ordonez. No wow. reason for it, but I'm just picking up things from Jim Price. RIP, Jim Price. That's crazy. I never noticed that you did that. Well, now that we have that out of the way, I want to get into our main topic for the day, which is the World Series. And that's what we want to uh, really zoom in on. The first two games are through. We have a 1-1 series so far, 6-5 Rangers in 11 innings. That was one of the wilder games we could have dreamed up. And 9-1 D-backs in game two really made a made a quick work once they got into the later innings, pushed that game out of reach. But you were at games one and two. What was the scene like there in Arlington? Yeah, so let's start with game one because that was crazy. The Rangers are down two runs. We get to the to the ninth inning. In the top of the ninth, Adolis Garcia, who, let me just set the stage a little bit. A little bit of a late bloomer, Adolis Garcia. Had his breakout year when he was 28 years old. Had been DFA'd by a team from the NL Central and picked up by the Rangers. And then all of a sudden, here's this guy who has prodigious power who has a tendency by the way if he gets hit by a pitch to come back and hit a home run the next at bat which reminds me of someone else that i used to watch in right field for the texas rangers little guy we know as nelson cruz now obviously yeah no nelson cruz (laughs) uh obviously nelson cruz has some world series lore in rangers history does he not Uh, miss that ball in right field in game six of the 2011 world series it is the ninth inning there is a ball hit to right field, and it's a scorcher. And Adolis Garcia runs back to just basically the exact same spot on the wall where that non-catching game six happens, reaches up and snags it. And at the time, you think, well, that's cool. He's keeping the game close. It doesn't seem like that's a big deal. But when you throw it in, in this mix of other coincidences, boy, howdy. Ninth inning catch. That catch he didn't make was in the ninth inning that Nelson Cruz didn't make. We get to the bottom of the ninth. Corey Seager comes up, runner on first, first pitch, and the best line I heard was from David Ortiz. Why would you throw a cookie to the cookie monster? Why why, why would you throw a pitch right there to Corey Seager, who loves to pounce on first pitch fastballs? Seager blasts. He's screaming before the ball even clears the fence, and we have a tie ball game. The stadium is shaking. I mean, just, it felt like it was vibrating. I was glad that I had earplugs. So we get through the ninth inning. We come to the 11th. Adolis Garcia is hit by a pitch in his last at bat. And I turn to Cody Stavenhagen, who's sitting right next to me, and I go, because they make a pitching change just before Adolis Garcia comes up. So we got a little time to talk. And I go, how many pitches until Adolis Garcia hits a walk-off home run here? Cody goes, I don't know, man. I'm not feeling it. I feel like they're going to drag this out to like the 15th inning, and it's going to be like Robbie Grossman or something. That I feel like that's what they're going to do to us. I was like, I don't know, man. He kind of has that Nelson Cruz thing to him. He got hit by a pitch last time up. I think he's going hit to a, hit a home run here. First pitch in the dirt. Second pitch outside. Adoli swings it, uh, a massive swing in the third pitch. Ball three then, and it's 3-1. And I turn to Cody and I go, here it goes. And the next pitch, there it went. I've never called something so accurately in my entire life. 
hits a home run. The Rangers walk it off, and it is a one nothing series lead for the Rangers. By the way, now let's go back to Game 6 in 2011. Cruz misses that ball in the ninth inning. The Cardinals are down to tied it up in the ninth inning. Come back in the 11th inning, and there's an 11th inning walk-off home run. Oh, and also, by the way, Adolis Garcia, who did he get designated for assignment by? The St. Louis Cardinals. So there's, I mean, Rangers fans are going nuts. We've got, we love our conspiracy theories down here in Texas. I'm not sure if you've heard. It was going wild down here. It was just popping off. We have exercised the demons of 2011. Look, it was a great game. But those Arizona Diamondbacks are resilient. They did not give up. The snakes remained alive. They were not apparently too shook by game one because they came back and just Merrill Kelly dominated in game two. He, he just, he hit his spots talking to Rangers hitters after the game. They all, obviously everybody's disappointed to lose a, a world series game. Nobody wants to to do that, but to a man, they just said he hit his spots. Like he, he threw the ball exactly where he wanted to. One of the Rangers said, Hitting is the hardest thing to do in sports. If a pitcher executes his pitches and does what he's supposed to do, he should get you out. And that's exactly what Merrill Kelly did. I wouldn't worry too much about the Rangers giving up nine runs. You know, when they were losing, it, it was Martin Perez that came in. You know, you, you kind of got those second-tier guys that are just there to eat up innings and save your, your top-tier bullpen arms. That's what happened. It was 2-1 to one in the seventh inning. Yeah, it was more of a question of... You know, how close 100% was Jordan Montgomery? Did coming in relief have any impact on him? Because he had, I think it was zero swings and misses until the fifth or sixth inning. He ends up with two whiffs in this one. Ends up getting them some length. He just ended up staying in two batters too long. They let him pitch to two hitters in the, what inning am I looking at? Sixth? Maybe it was seven. I would have to look at my scorecard, uh, but I th- I'll pull it up and find out. But he, he pitches at two more hitters, and Bochy had he gone to the bullpen a little bit earlier, may have given himself a little bit more of a chance in that one. But Montgomery just didn't look as didn't look as sharp as we'd seen him, but still was able to keep them in the in the game. I don't think, yeah, he kept him into till uh, two batters into the seventh inning. It was a Alec Thomas double to lead off, and then Evan Longoria single, uh, Arias single. Had he taken him out then, I mean, we're still talking about just a 2-1 game and anything could happen at that point. So Bochy, I think second-guessing, surely would, would wish that he had, he had taken the six strong he got from Montgomery because he didn't look that strong. But when you give up two runs over six, that, that works. The other factor there in the seventh is that Longoria had laid down a sacrifice bunt earlier in the game. And the Diamondbacks were sack bunting all over the place uh, last night. And so I talked to Josh Young after the game, and I asked, because he was playing in in the seventh inning, and that ball that Longoria hit, if if Young is positioned normally, he probably gets, he almost got to the ball playing in. So you got to think he gets to that ball if he's playing, you know, normal normal position. And asked, you know, were you, were you playing in because Longoria had bunted earlier in the game and he goes yeah I mean that's what they do that's what this team is and you know that if there's less than two outs and a runner on like there's a very good possibility they're gonna lay one down and he goes obviously in retrospect you know probably should have been playing back a few steps but that that, that's baseball it happens but yeah I thought that was an interesting little nugget that you know if the the Diamondbacks hadn't been sack bunting uh, like a bunch of small ball maniacs then maybe they get out of that inning with a double play there because we saw Josh Young make some great plays a couple steps back. Not a double play, sorry, because he was on second base, but still. Right. Hold him at second base, get the out at first uh, with Longoria running. Yeah, we saw Young make some fantastic plays along the line earlier in the game. So, yeah, give him a couple more steps. You think he has the reaction time to make that play. And it really all goes into the next point, which is the Diamondbacks came here to create some chaos, and they're, they're doing it. Now, game one, weren't able to quite pull it off. But they are not doing it so much with the long ball. They have a little bit of a couple homers so far, but they are 
they're doing it with more of a scrappy style of play, if you want to say it that way, but like stolen bases, sack bunts, stringing together these long sequences. I was looking at the, um, on baseball reference, they have CWPA, championship winning percentage added. So per hit, one of the hits that have the largest impact on winning a championship. And the top five of them, four are Rangers. Four of the Rangers uh, plays from game uh, one and one of them is from game two. Here, Mitch Garver's homer was number five, but the only Diamondbacks one was from game one. Uh, Corbin Carroll's triple that tied up the game in the third inning. And so like everything that the D-backs did in game two, there was no huge, uh, you know, grand slam that that added the huge probability swing in their favor or anything like that. It's all, let's single them there. Let's let's walk here. Let's steal, steal a base. Yeah. Let's get some madness going and make them make some pitching changes, make them make some, some decisions. Let's pinch hit and then pinch hit again when they throw in a lefty. We're going to switch everything up. And, and so far it is working because you take one on the road, that really changes the complexion of the series. Yeah, just, I mean, AI Bruce Bochy's face on Dennis Green going, they are who we thought they were. Like it's that's exactly the style of play that they've been known for this, this entire season. And then with the exception of the uh, inexplicable power surge against the Dodgers that where they would just go out and blast home runs for a, for a few minutes to start every baseball game, that's what they've been in the postseason. It's been singles, sack bunts, steals, and then the occasional Corbin Carroll triple. And, you know, when you get when you get a Tommy Pham home run here and there, great. But that's not what they've been relying on. It is what the Rangers have been relying on. And that sort of bit them last night when they didn't have that available to them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. As we look ahead now to game three, the series moving to Phoenix, there's going to be another game Tuesday, of course, and game five would be Wednesday. Uh, we don't know the pitching matches for any of those except Monday. Game three, we're going to have Brandon fought against Max Scherzer. If I would have told you 
I don't know, even just like two weeks ago, that one of them had a 2.7 ERA and one had a 9.45. I think you'd probably put them on the wrong guy. But the way things have gone, Max Scherzer does not look like he has uh, the same stuff we're used to. It doesn't look like he's uh, operating at at full confidence, full Max Scherzer levels of sort of F you, I'm I'm better than you. And Brandon Fott, meanwhile, he's been great. He's Every time he goes out there, we talk about the homer rate, talk about the problems he had early this season, talk about how he had the same issues in the PCL before he got to the majors, and yet he is finding a way to do it. He's finding a way to, to limit the traffic, to limit the homers, and give them a good start because uh, now at this point, like they didn't have to use their A bullpen these, this last game. And so if they can have an off day and then be rested, I guess they did use Ginkle. Didn't, I think they did, right? Uh, unless I missed something. Oh, we saw the game. So, we saw the gank. We saw the gank. Meanwhile, the Rangers were throwing like every single starting pitcher they have in the pen. <laughs> They're like, they just get out there. Here's the thing about that, though, right? Like, they do have a lot of starters in the pen. They've got, let's run through it because they got five John Gray, Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, and Cody Bradford. But we saw a lot of those guys game two. And now you've got Max Scherzer starting in game three, and he's been kind of a three to four inning guy. So, you know, I want to say we're going to see a lot of John Gray in game three, but he kind of threw some pitches in game one. So he's not on full rest. They are in a very interesting situation. And Heaney and neither Heaney nor Dunning threw a ton of pitches in game two. Martin Perez did. He's probably out for game three. But they got three games in a row now. And game one is being started by Max Scherzer, who has not been an innings eater this postseason. This is an interesting situation for the Rangers and their ability to throw some arms out there to get those innings done. They could really, really use some efficient pitching from Max Scherzer to get through five, man, have a gutsy career day and get through six so that they can get to their normal bullpen guys at the back end there because that corral of starting pitchers that you had out there, those guys have thrown some pitches recently. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how Bochi balances and, and deploys his bullpen for the next three days. It feels like we're due for a, a vintage Scherzer game at some point here, but maybe not. Maybe he's just not right at this point. We're, we're not going to see it. But in the meantime, Brandon Fott has shown up for them. He's going to be playing in a home atmosphere. I don't think he needs to hold them to two runs over six innings. You know, it's it's maybe five innings and three runs could, could do the trick here if the D-backs offense can get going against Scherzer early enough. So he did this last time. He outlasted uh, Ranger Suarez, or maybe they kind of matched each other as far as length, put them in position to win a ball game. And that's for your third starter. That's uh, when you didn't invest in another starter at the trade deadline. That's pretty much all you can ask for. So it's been good so far, been very interesting so far. And I think from a third-party viewer perspective where I, I did not grow up at either place, did not follow either team super closely, but I've been watching every pitch on the live blog. This has been this has been a lot of fun. I think a, a pretty, pretty great start. I'm an objective journalist here. I, yes, it's true <laughs> that I grew up watching fingers. the Texas Rangers. Yes, I owned some caps when I started this job that I have not worn in a while. But please, I am a professional. I am not cheering in the press box. And I have, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A certain sense of detached interest as I watch this series. I don't, I don't care who wins. I am simply here to report on the good stories that are happening. That's right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you have that. And I'm, I'm just going to keep talking about the 05 Tigers uh, in the meantime. Uh, I can never, can never give that up. <laughs> Quickly, I'll touch on what's going on in the, our on-deck arcade with our Homer chase. Don't speed through it so quickly that people don't hear. There's not a ton of updates. You know, we ended the, the first cycle of this uh, tied one-to-one. And then after the CS round of things, you got three homers from Jose Altuve and two from Bryce Harper. I only got two from Yardon Alvarez. So I'm down three entering the World Series. And 
we uh, I'll just run through who we picked again. I took Josh Young and Corbin Carroll. Hey, they've looked good. If we're playing a singles derby, I'd be doing great. Ribby Derby, even. I might be doing uh, even better. You had Tommy Pham and Nathan, Nathaniel Lowe. Tommy Pham did hit a homer, and that's the only one so far. So you are currently up 9-5. to five. I flirted the idea of us picking extra guys to make this closer, but I think it would make it even worse for me. So we're going to leave it as is, and I'm hoping for some big swings from from Josh Young and Corbin Carroll the rest of the way. I'm say, who would we pick? The, who do we have left to pick? Uh, I know who I would pick. I would throw Mitch Garver. Gavin Moreno. Well, do you want to throw in one more guy? You want me to give me Mitch Garver and you get Gabby Moreno? Sure. Okay, let's do it. All right, fine. All right, I was wow, wow, making things up on the fly here. I love it. But I mean, I expect you to take him because you're such a Rangers homer. All right, time for us to go. Thanks for listening. Thanks to producer Brian for producing today's show. You can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. Subscribe to the Athletic for two dollars per month for the first year at theathletic.com/slash/baseballshow. Sign up for the wind up, the Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal for absolutely free. Give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 3-2-EFIS, and I'm at Stephen J. Nesbitt. We will be back at the conclusion of the World Series with a series review because there will be no more of what's on deck. See you later. <laughs>